Hello and welcome back to Treat Talks Podcast with your host, me, Mona Brookoff. This is the podcast that branches out into the world of trees, one episode at a time. Tree Talks acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters on which this podcast is recorded and produced. We recognize their continuing connection to the land and waters and thank them for protecting this coastline and its ecosystems since time immemorial. We pay our respects to the elders past and present. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So we'll just start with a little bit about you, whatever you want to share. Well, my name is Ray Carson, and I live in currently in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, right in the middle of the United States. So central standard time. I was raised in Buffalo, New York, which is more on the east coast so the uh, west side of new york the good part of new york uh not new york city um i think we talked before i was telling you that my parents were big they loved trees and they loved nature and so that was instilled in me pretty early uh they they bought a lot in an up-and-coming suburb back in the early 50s I think it was, yeah, it was just 1950, I think. And they planted just, they had probably over, I think it was over 40 trees on this little suburban lot. They went all the way around. And so our, by the time I came along, I had two older sisters. The trees were growing and the backyard was a budding forest when I was a child, little one. And so they grew more as I grew. And it was, it was interesting to, to grow up in that, that environment. Of course, the entire neighborhood turned into a suburb. But growing up, it was, it was just the, the end of the rural experience out there. And it turned urban in my lifetime. But got a good love of trees and, and being outside. Did you find comfort in nature when you did that? Yeah, yeah, I've never been a, I always had a problem with uh, with people, let's say, you know, I just don't like yeah. people. <laughs> That's an awful thing to say, but it's, I, I actually do a, a lot with people, which is this contradiction, but I've just found that oh, <laughs> as a whole, I'd rather be sitting under a nest of pine trees than being in a, a, some a detailing party or whatever. I feel somewhat inadequate as far as uh, any kind of schooling. I have none as far as that goes. Um, but the way I've been my whole life um, involved in nature and just finding peace there and I'm, I've always been drawn to it uh, the experiences you had asked me what experiences I had well I, I saw devastation uh, several times in my life I, I lived through a hurricane down in Houston and saw what that did to the trees in Houston and uh, the power of nature it was just unbelievable and then being up here in Cedar Rapids we've had a couple of major 
uh, deals that impacted the trees. And that's where I started getting more involved um, with helping the trees. And uh, we had a, a what they call a 500 year flood, which now has become more like every, every few years. <laughs> and there were 2,100 city blocks underwater and it really impacted everything as far as the, the trees we lost some trees uh but it it just the landscape itself was devastated and that was over 10 years ago and we're coming back from that but then during covid here just recently uh, we had what's called a derecho and that is a straight line wind and it came from uh, omaha nebraska is where it started and it shot right across all of Iowa, all the way through Illinois into Ohio. And it was 50 miles wide. And the peak winds, which happened to occur right in Cedar Rapids, was 140 miles per hour for over an hour. And it was, they call it an uh, inland hurricane. And having experienced a hurricane, I would agree. That's what it was like. It was just incredible. But in Cedar Rapids, which is a really green city and area, um, we lost 76% of our tree canopy. It was mm -hmm. devastating. And, you know, a lot of structural damage too, of course, but uh, uh, the, the tree loss was devastating. And this happened a couple of years ago in, uh, during the COVID. It was wonderful. Everybody's panicking because the world's coming to an end in a pandemic and what do we get we get blistered with a inland hurricane just for fun knock out power for a week or two and tear everything down and we kind of lost the covid restrictions rebuilding it was like okay well <laughs> gotta pick up but i got involved at that time with uh, a, a group called trees forever which is a group that started out here um, a while back, and they were kind of struggling to help cities, urban areas understand uh, how to plan green areas, rather than just plan the urban area, and then as an afterthought, try and throw trees in, yeah. and you know, yeah. that never seemed to work. <laughs> yeah. saw three, for years, we saw places where they would, they would plant all these trees, they would carve a hole in the sidewalk, walking down the street and, and plunk a tree in there. And, you know, a month later, the poor tree's going, ah, and it's dead. And, and uh, so they, they started helping do that. And they've been, now they're in Iowa and Illinois and up in Wisconsin too. And they're doing pretty good. But out, I just heard, they just started an initiative last year out of Des Moines uh, a million tree project. So their goal is to plant a million trees in the next five years. And well, because of the duration, we we had lots of places to plant trees. So we're really helping their numbers out here. And uh, I got involved by just kind of showing up over there. I just walked in the door and I said, I, I had recently retired. So I, was, I thought, well, I knew it was coming up. I knew I was retiring. And I knew that this had just happened and I was looking for ways to help. So I said, okay, they are retired. I went over there and I said, hey, I, I, uh, I don't know much about trees, 
but I sure do know how to use a shovel and I can dig a hole. So let me help you plant some trees. And uh, so of course they grabbed hold of me and they, they have a really good organization where they have worked with the city and the state. And then they work with a lot of uh, private businesses for uh, donations and also distribution of trees. It has become out and here in Cedar Rapids, it really has become an all out assault because we lost so much. Other volunteers then of different ages and backgrounds because people have acknowledged the loss of trees or is, is well, there still a struggle with volunteers? Oh, uh, well, it's always a struggle with volunteers, but I think my experience there has been they get a lot of people, you know, they're, they're not hurting for people. Um, I think the impact has been made very clear in this area because it's so visible. Mm. Uh, everywhere you go, people that have lived here, you, you're driving into areas that used to be wooded and you're looking at it and it's just like, where am I? It, it looks completely different because all the trees are gone. But as far as my experience with them, can they use more? Sure. But it seems to me like uh, the crews that I worked on, we had anything from old retired guys like me to uh, um, housewives to teenagers to college kids. And then a whole bunch of high school and you get much younger than that and they really can't do much. But there were kids running around, but the high school kids definitely were able to dig holes and to help move the trees and stuff like that. And so all ages. Yeah. The way I worked with them was I would, they would tell me where to show up and they'd say, come on over to, you know, 38th street and 14th Avenue and meet on the corner and all the cars would come up and there'd be big trucks and they had a, would work, walk down one side of the street back up the other side around the block and do like five or six blocks where the trees were already distributed and they would have a blend of trees so every other tree they'd very thorough very looking at what kind of trees we want growing in the neighborhoods and with diversity and that would all be in place so all i had to do was pick up my shovel put gloves on walk out and start digging holes and uh, it was it was great fun doing that and uh you know, the other things that, that this Trees Forever group was doing was uh, they would put together great big tree drives where there's a big, several big corporations around here with these massive parking lots. And they would set up a, a pickup day for the entire community where they would have trees for anywhere from 15 to $25, which is super cheap for the size of the trees that they were uh, handing out. The, the, that being sponsored by local businesses and stuff, they would pay basically for the cost of the trees. And then the other volunteers like myself would show up and we would, there would be a thousand trees and then just cars pulling in, trees into cars. And, and you know, so, so average folks who are not maybe may involved in the, the actual replanting could put one in their yard or in their neighborhood. And it's been, you know, it's like, it's, it looks like a, a mobilization of troops when that comes out. Cause there's probably, I mean, the ones, the ones that was at, there was over 500 people working and, and then showing up, you know, just a constant line of cars, which make, it's a real good feeling because this area is just destroyed. 
and we're rebuilding for the next generation. So that- you're talking about trees forever. And what yeah. I would like to know is when you joined, was it easy to understand the process? Like, did because you, you did your gardening, you already knew how to plant a tree. Um, you already knew maintenance of it, or was this something you're learning for the first time? Um, a little of both. I mean, I knew some things, and uh, they they sent me. They said you can become a tree keeper right, by taking a, an online. It's six hour course, basically two hours, uh, three different sessions, and they have an arborist and they have urban planners and all of these different folks that present and then they they give you a a book that has pictures of how to go about plantings and all of that stuff and and i'll tell you what i learned again um that everything i was taught was absolutely wrong okay um honestly my whole life they told me that as tall as a tree is that the root system goes down that far into the ground. That's what they told me my whole life. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. That tree's never going anywhere. And then they would tip over in a windstorm. But as it turns out, it's probably no more than 18 inches, 20 inches deep and spreads out from the tree. And uh, I learned that from the Trees Forever people. And then how to dig a hole the right depth and width to get a, a tree planted. Yeah, they what they would do was great. They would take, they'd say, okay, we're meeting on uh, 31st Street and 4th Avenue. Okay, we'll be starting at eight. That's where we're starting. And you'd, you'd get there and people would be pulling up in their vehicles. And there was a big tree forever pickup truck with a trailer with a giant vat of water on the back. And, and they would just start handing out shovels. And they say, well, we got here early. And there's trees down this street, that street, and you go back up the other street. And so we would start where we were and just march, everybody leapfrogging each other, planting trees. And you'd do that until noon, take a little break, and then work till about four, and they'd call it and they'd say, okay, enough. And, and how many you know, people would be there? In the times that I did it, anywhere from six to 30. So when, when the summer came, uh, they got a lot of kids involved, high schoolers. Yeah, nice. They worked with the school systems to help them get credits for uh, uh, community service stuff that they would need for different courses and stuff. So that encouraged them to do it. And Did you understand a bit more of urban forests? So trees that are planted in urban areas, did, you, did they teach you, they said they taught you about the management of them and things. Did it um, broaden your knowledge of it yeah um some of the things i learned were you know that they were very conscious of that hadn't even really crossed my mind i mean i you know i'm not in the business so i just i I take for granted a lot of what's around me and i have to sometimes take pause and look and say oh but anyways they they were talking a lot about the variety of trees that they were planting they were trying to make it very diverse 
and the, the fellows that were going out early and, and setting the trees in the streets, they were making sure that they would put a maple here and a, and a walnut over here and an oak over here as you went. So every, every tree that you went to up a street was probably something different. And you'd get on the next street and they would be different. So the trees that they're planting are going to be very diverse because right now we've got the emerald. That's another thing I learned was about the, the emerald ash borer is killing all the ash trees. And in a lot of communities, they're just taking the trees down before they even get there because they're scared that, that once the emerald ash borer eats all the ash trees, that it may change its appetite and move into other kinds other. of trees. So they're scared of that. And uh, so a lot of communities will just say, just they know it's coming. It's taken over this country. It's moving from east to west and it's, and it's devastating. I mean, I had no idea until I, you know, these Tree Forever people showed me and then a, a buddy's house, he got it on one of his trees and they literally eat the entire area between the bark and the tree itself you know cuts off that supply that food supply completely i mean there's nowhere on the tree that they leave it's just astounding but uh so anyways we got that here so they've been they're not planting any ash trees for the foreseeable future and um, and then there was talk of this other one uh Something that's hitting the maples, which would be bad for out here because we got tons of maple trees. Anytime they, they take out farmland, because really we got some wooded areas, but mostly if there's new growth in a city area, suburban area, it's taking over farmland. And uh, then they build a subdivision on it. And th those folks typically will plant a ton of maple trees because they, it, you know, within five to eight years, you got a pretty sizable tree mm. and uh, you can start getting shade off of it. But what I love is that you're, like you said, like this is not your background, but you're involved in it and you're doing it and you're learning. Um, what would you hope that's there for your grandchildren? Like what, what you're doing now ready for that generation? Oh, well, I, I've lived if, in, if anything. Uh, yeah, I've lived in, in, uh, when I grew up, basically where I grew up, when I was a child, it was like the outskirts, semi-rural suburban neighborhood, just moving into the, the, um, the rural areas. Okay. So it was kind of rural and then it changed in my lifetime to an urban area. And then I lived in Houston, which was a large city. And so I was in that stone and concrete setting. Came out here to Iowa, which is a lot more green. Um, and, you know, I just developed over time. When I was in Buffalo as a kid, I was in the Scouts. We'd go up into Canada and I loved that nature up there. I mean, gosh, we would go into the wilderness areas and there's nobody. You just go. And uh, you're on your own for weeks at a time. And that, uh, that wouldn't it be wonderful if it was like that? But uh, it's a hard life, but it's so cool. You know, that's kind of what I found in our, in our state parks. We do a pretty good job with the, the state parks and federal parks over here. 
and uh, you know everybody can go there and everybody can relax and feel a little bit more at peace. I think there's a certain connectedness that comes from green spaces, trees, and grassy areas, and um, it's because you're being connected. You know, it's the truth, but people can't see that in the, the world we're in today. It's just too fast. You know, people are so disconnected from the earth and, you know, how you get, you asked me earlier, how do you, you know, get people to connect uh, one at a time, you know, one at a time. If you can show somebody something that's, that's what happened to me, somebody showed me, uh, look how cool this is. You know, and once you see it and your eyes are open, that never changes. I mean, you could turn your back on it, but it's always there. And then, you know, you go through this role we play in life of I am a kid and I go to school and then I go to college, then I get a job, then I have a you know, family, I settle down, I have a house and I have the things and, you know, and this, this pattern that we set up that's just nuts. But it uh i don't know mm. and uh, i guess what i would your original question that i have digressed massively from uh, what i would like to leave is an area in the city areas um where we're planting is the areas where uh, um, it's a lot of con concrete and so when you can bring trees into that it changes the dynamic of the area uh, just shade makes people less angry when it's 95 degrees with the humidity level of 2000% you're sweating. And if you're just sitting there in the beat down sun, that's rough. And it makes people irritable. Okay. They get irritable. They start taking it out on other people. So let's put some trees up, give them a little shade, give them a little bit more peace. Maybe they won't eat each other. Yeah. Cool it. Um, yeah. So if the, if the trees could talk and they they probably do in their own little way but um if or if you could be a, a voice for the trees what would you say what would they say what you say my imagination they're just yeah. crying crying <laughs> <laughs> what he done uh, i think uh I guess I kind of just perceive it as a vibrant energy. And uh, I, I, I think a lot of nature doesn't think anything like we think uh, because we are, our thoughts are pretty much self-absorbed and we, we think more about ourselves than anything. And I don't think a lot of things in nature are too concerned about that. They're just part of being in existence and being content with where they are. So I think that's, a certain peace, a harmony with everything around them, you know, because I mean, they're connected directly to the earth, they're dependent upon what comes from the sky, what comes from the earth. So it's, it's a, a harmony. That's what I think a tree would say It's just like kind of, ah, everything's okay. You know, I don't think it's anything like what we experience. We're, we're just weird creatures. We're weird. We're so weird. When you look at it, it's weird. Yeah. We're weird. So self-absorbed. We destroy everything that we need to survive. It's not very bright. 
I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but it's just like trees are not the issue. It's us. We we the ones that cannot. Well, yeah, it's it's very similar to what we were talking about here. What I laugh at all the time is the rich folks who moved into the woods yeah. and then complain that the, all the things in the woods. Is there anything you wanted to share that I have not asked any questions or anything you wanted to bring up? Anything you want to make sure people want to know or um well i uh i have become the bane of our neighborhood because out here in beautiful suburban iowa they like to have these uh perfect manicured lawns with just this the perfect height the uh, solid path of green and they put down all these insecticides and herbicides and they spray it you know every week and and I've been, and they mow, they get their mowers out and they're pouring petroleum products into the mower and they're using, uh, you know, polluting the air and making noise pollution, all this to have a, a grassy lawn. Yeah. And, and I, I tell people, I said, where did that idea come from? And they go, well, it's just, you know, I said, well, why do you, why do you do that? Well, I like to have a green, green lawn. I'm going, why? Where did this idea come from that you have to have the perfect lawn? And they're, you know, they're going, I don't know, know. and I said, well, you know where it came from? It came from the, uh, the people that are creating the, the pesticides and the people that are creating the mowers and the people that are creating the petroleum products. They told you you had to do that. So you would have to buy their products and, uh, (laughs) and, and they've convinced you that this is what you need to have. So in rebellion, I, uh, I planted clover. In, in my lawn, clover seed with the little white flowers. They hate that. And uh, and then dandelions come up every year and they turn into a white seed puff that blows all over and the seeds go <laughs> everywhere because they're airborne. And I let those go, you know, and they're all out there digging them out. And, and, and so my neighbors, they, they, uh, they tolerate me, but they battle against my lawn polluting theirs all the time. And I said, well, look at how nice it is. And you know what the beauty is? When I have all this low ground cover, I don't have to mow hardly half as much as you guys do, you know. So I actually convinced one of my friends to, who, was a, who was one of these lawn guys that had the service and, and just perfect lawn, great pride he took in his lawn. And he actually went and seeded his whole lawn with clover and, and uh it was a, a sense of accomplishment on my part. I got one. Yeah, I got like, one. They complain <laughs> about leaves in the gutter, but they'll spend hours on their lawn. And you're like, wait, what is yeah. time? What is, is, yeah. And then also, um, have you noticed a difference with um, like wildlife then in your garden because of the, there's more flowers? Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's where I started on this because I got this bumblebee, bumblebee thing. And we've got this, I got this at uh, Trees Forever. It's www.bumblebeewatch.org. And you can watch the bumblebees in, uh, it's, it's a collaborative effort to track and, con- and conserve North American bumblebees. Let's see, I, I got on a big kick about the clover. I put the clover in specifically for the bees because the bee habitats are, have been being diminished everywhere. And in this country in particular, 
um, they are responsible for so much. And if they're gone, we're going to be in serious trouble. And so I thought, well, hell, you know, I can, I can spare my lawn. Why do, why do I have to have a green lawn when I can make it a place for bees to be happy? And, uh, and I've tried to plant, we put a bunch of wildflowers in around our border that brings butterflies and, and, uh, not only bumblebees, but the honeybees. There's, there's a ton of bees that we have out here in North America. There's actually got a book from the trees forever people. They have everything. They have everything there, but they are so generous with their, the information and stuff. And so I try to make a habitat for them. Ray, I've been, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You are full of wisdom and like really enjoying conversation. Funny. I loved it. They love you. <laughs> <laughs> Just the everyday guy changing the world one tree at yep. a time. Anyway, do it. I'm an everyday guy changing the world. Thank you for listening to Tree Talks podcast with me, Mona Brukoff. If you have any questions, queries, thoughts, please share them. I would love to know what my voice is doing to the world out there. Hope you enjoyed and subscribe to find out more Tree Talks. <laughs>